If you have your Bible, why don't you grab it? We're going to get right into it this morning. Happy fall, by the way. Everybody enjoying the weather? I love it. The mornings are nice and crisp. Can have something hot to drink now instead of something ice cold. So it's good. I want to just um, also just say that there's some great things coming up this fall that I feel like the Lord's doing and saying and moving. So as you just continue to come, have your heart and ears open. We'll be sharing more about that. But I want to get right into it. If you'll go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I want to pick up something where we went last week. Last week I talked about how to be stable in unstable conditions. How to be stable in unstable conditions. And I kind of want to follow that same theme. But this week I want to talk about steadfast hope. Steadfast hope. In fact, everybody say it. Say steadfast hope. Steadfast hope. And in Romans chapter 5, we're going to read there. uh, Romans, or excuse me, verses 1 through 5. I want to talk about this because I don't know that it's taught a whole lot. And I know that it's something that I'm having to continually teach myself and make sure I remind myself of these things. Because otherwise, as you follow the Lord, you can get into thinking that everything's just going to be peachy keen when you follow God. And there's a call consistently, especially if you read the books that Paul wrote about how to persevere and how to stick to things and how to endure things and how to even celebrate and suffering. <laughs> I mean, a lot of teachings that I feel like, I don't know that I want to, I don't know if I want suffering, God, right? Like, I don't know if I want to have to persevere. And there's this conflict, I feel like, even in my own self as a teacher, like, Lord, I don't know if this is like the most inspiring, but yet I feel like it's the world and the day we live in, and we have to do this every day. And so sometimes since we don't teach it, or I, I, you know, I don't lean into it as much, it maybe sets us up for not persevering like we ought to. So I just want to get right into it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's a legal term, meaning that we've been made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. This is where it gets interesting to me. We also glory in tribulations, or another word for tribulations is troubles. Knowing that tribulation or trouble produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love Paul for this reason because he writes these really long run-on sentences. <laughs> and sometimes you have to like go back over it and read it and read it and read it and read it just to catch what he's saying. But I really want to focus on verse 3. Not only that, but we also glory in troubles. In other words, we take comfort, consolation, and even give thanks for trouble. Now, I just have to tell you and be honest, when we sang worship songs and we were singing how worthy God was, I didn't think through, God, you're so worthy because of all the troubles that I go through. <laughs> like, thank you for all the trouble. Thank you for all of the tribulations. I wasn't really thinking that, but yet there's something in here that Paul's saying. He's like, no, no, we, we also glory in tribulations. 
Because here's why. Because we know that those troubles produce perseverance. Here's another word for perseverance, steadfastness. In fact, I really encourage you to take some notes this morning because we're going to like dig into this. We're going to go through quite a few scriptures. And I either want to just dig into what some of these meanings of these words are because sometimes you just read over them and you don't link it to other scriptures where it uses the exact same Greek word. And so sometimes they'll translate it in English differently. And so you don't connect the dots. So I want to connect some dots this morning because I feel like it's going to bring courage to us and strength to us. It says, but you can glory in tribulation knowing that those troubles, the tribulation, produce steadfastness. In other words, when you've gone through troubles, and each one of us have, there have been times in your life that you've just assumed forget, assumed, just assumed that those um, didn't even happen. But yet, there's something that was produced in you when you went through it. It did produce something. It produced an ability for you to stand fast today. The fact that we're all in the room this morning means that there's a certain level of perseverance that you have. You have a certain level of steadfastness to you because you're here today. Otherwise, you would have quit. There's other things to do. You would have given up. You would have pieced out. You would have gone. And who knows what you would have done. So there's already a certain level of perseverance. But I've, the Bible and Paul is linking it saying, listen, that perseverance didn't just come because you've got grit and you've got the personality for it. It's, it came from some of the trouble you faced. So you can, in a way, give some thanks for some of that trouble because it's possible without some of that trouble, you wouldn't have had the strength and worked out those muscles, so to speak, that you would have needed so that you could make it today. And some of the troubles that you're facing today are giving you strength for the steadfastness you're going to need tomorrow. I can think back through many, many situations where now looking back, I can see God was working something in me of a steadfastness that I would need today. I didn't know it then, and at the time, I didn't like it. I don't want those troubles. I don't want those emails from those mean people, right? I don't want those phone calls from people. I don't want those text messages, or I don't want those emotions that I was having to work through, or those thoughts that I was having to work through, or those teachers that were really hard as professors in school, or whatever it may have been, or that really hard boss, or that really hard conversation. Just name the trouble, maybe financial troubles, or you know, when you're, like I think I've mentioned to y'all before, when you're first married, you know, you hardly have any money, but that budgeting and that having to make it work is producing steadfastness in you so that you don't quit. There's no other option. You have to keep going. So it's producing something in you that is useful for you today. So Paul's saying that we have and we glory in troubles because we know that trouble produces steadfastness. I'm, I'm paraphrasing some of these so that we catch their meanings. Verse four, and perseverance or steadfastness produces character and character produces hope. Another word for hope there is expectation. You should write that down. Hope means expectation. That's the literal word there. It produces expectation. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So listen to this trail. It goes from we have trouble. Trouble produces steadfastness. Steadfastness produces character. 
Character produces that holy expectation, that hope. So if you rewind it all the way, trouble, if you'll let it, will lead you all the way to hope. And it says of this hope, when you have your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, this hope does not disappoint. In fact, if you have a highlighter or something, just underline that because this has been something I have felt God speak to me so directly through hard times is hope does not disappoint. This is so powerful because people will for sure disappoint you, 100%. In fact, every person in this room at some point is probably going to disappoint you. Now, there's levels of disappointment. It could be a level of disappointment that they ran out of coffee, <laughs> whoever they are. We have coffee this morning. Don't worry. Or so-and-so took my, my, my parking space. Or so-and-so didn't say hi to me when they walked in the door or when I was here this morning. Or it could be anything like that. Or it could be deeper. So-and-so betrayed me. So-and-so talked about me. So-and-so lied to me. I mean, it can go, you get down the lines of disappointment. But this says that hope doesn't disappoint. So this is something that I just feel like the Lord's teaching me as a point of preparation that, hey, as you go through trouble, if you'll hold on to me, I will lead you from trouble into a grit in you, a steadfastness. In other words, so you don't quit, you don't give up. And that steadfastness is working character in you. And that character will produce hope that does not disappoint. So you may be in any one of these phases right here. Maybe you're in the point of trouble and you're like, there are troubles all around me. That's one of the things that King David said. There's trouble and it's all around me. Or you may be in the place of, no, no, I, I am in, I've had troubles, but I'm in that place of perseverance. I've got strength. I've, I recognize that God's been producing in me that steadfastness that I needed. Or you may be in the phase of where character is being produced, and you're like, man, I feel like my character is being tested. Or you may be in that full place of hope where it's like, no, I am hopeful. I am full of hope. I see what God wants to do in me and my family and my life. And you're at that place now of faith that says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So I really believe that there's a dis there's a um, an expectation that God wants to build in our hearts again. But to get there, we have to persevere. We have to endure. We have to have that uh, steadfastness. This word steadfastness, you might just write it down, is the word hypomene, which you just spell it like this. H-Y-P-O-M as in mom, O-N-E. And it's means this, resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. When it talks about steadfastness, it means I'm not going to move. You can throw anything you want at me. I'm not moving. The enemy can throw anything at me that he needs to throw or wants to throw at me, but I will not move. That's steadfastness. I'm not moving off of this word. I'm not moving off my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. My faith is not perfect, just as 
you know, probably no one else, no one's in here is, we're, we're in the process, right, of growing in our faith. In fact, the Bible says we go from faith to faith. But there are some things where you're not going to move me. Like my belief that Jesus is Lord and he is the Lord of my life and he lives today and is ascended and it sits at the right hand of the Father. No one can convince me otherwise. You can throw every statistic at me that you want. You can get into the science books all you want to. You can get into your philosophy or your belief system or how you believe there's many ways to God or whatever, you know. People could throw whatever. I will not move off that. That's an area that I am steadfast. You get it? I'm steadfast in that area. A place that I'm steadfast in is my marriage. We're not getting divorced. It ain't happening. Now, we might argue or, you know, have heated fellowship. That's what we like to call it. <laughs> Intense fellowship. <laughs> but that's the area where we're steadfast. It's not happening. We're not moving off of it. It's not an option. It's not going to happen. So we, we, we stand fast. We are immovable. But God's calling us to that level of faith in multiple areas of our life where you're not movable. You don't move off of what he said. You don't move off what he promised to you. And yet sometimes challenges and troubles will try to convince you to move off of what God said. Wouldn't it be the tactic of the adversary of your soul to get you to move? If God's calling you to be steadfast, immovable, wouldn't it be his goal to get you to move? In fact, think back with me at Genesis where God created, of course, male and female, told them the only thing you cannot do is eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. So then the serpent, who Revelation calls that serpent of old, the devil, so we know it was the devil in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. He slithers up or crawls up or however it was. <laughs> we don't know exactly, but he was a serpent. And he comes and he talks to Eve and he asks her, well, did God say you shall surely die? What does he do? He starts moving her. Hello? She's, he, he starts moving her. How? Doubt. Did God really say that? Did he really say it? And isn't that, I mean, when I look at so many believers today, that's a lot of the conversations we're had. Did God really say that? And then even when you get in there and you start to see, no, no, he said it. Did he really mean that? Because God knows. And so now we're off of what God said into what he knows. And what he knows is your interpretation. And I'm all, I don't know about your interpretation. All I can go back is on what God said and the only way to stay immovable right now is stay on what he said. Stay on what he said. It's the oldest trick in the book for the enemy to try to come after you and get you to move off of what God said. Obviously, the most firm thing that we have of what he has said to you is right here in this book. It's right in black and white. Sometimes it's red. <laughs> but it's right here. But, you know, we also can hear the rhema word of God, which means the, the, the fresh breathed word of God right now, where God's speaking to you today. And that is also something where God's saying, don't move off of that. If God's made promises to you about your family and your calling and your ministry, don't move off of it. Don't get into conversations where people are like, did God really mean that? 
are you sure that's what you're supposed to be doing? No, 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 no. I'm immovable. Can't shake me. And I'll tell you, the further I'm going into my calling, and my, my, this is my own personal life, the more resolute I'm getting about it. I'm getting more and more and more immovable because I'm like, no, no, no. I can't, get, I can't get off of what God's called me to do. I have to stay on it, regardless of if it makes a lot of friends or gains a lot of influence or, you know, does all the worldly metrics of what success looks like. I have to do what God called me to do. That's being immovable, unshakable. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 24. It talks about this same hope. We were saved in this hope, Romans 8, 24, for we were saved in this hope or expectation but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope or expect for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eager, eagerly wait for it with perseverance or steadfastness, the ability to endure. So in other words, when it says that we hope for what we don't see, we have to wait for it with steadfastness. So this is why it's so key. This is why I feel like I have to keep bringing this up. Sometimes in our walk of faith, we get thrown off by the fact that we have to use perseverance because sometimes we were taught that if you just pray it on Sunday morning, by Monday morning, that prayer is answered. But there are many scriptural places of precedence where, no, no, you're going to have to endure for a while. You're going to have to wait on that one. You're going to have to keep coming back to God and stay steadfast and immovable and unshakable. Honestly, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is that. Because unless you have seen him show up to you in your bedroom <laughs> or you have seen literally like seen him, then you're like me where I'm like, I haven't seen him, but yet I patiently wait for his return or until I die and I meet him on my own. So what am I doing? In the meantime, between this breath that I'm taking right now and my last breath, I'm patiently waiting, enduring, being steadfast, immovable until that time. I'm waiting. Why? Because I have full hope. I have full expectation that I will meet him. I will look eyeball to eyeball with him, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I have full expectation. There, it's not a... It's not wishful. It, I'm convinced, right? So there's this full expectation. So that we're used to. We're used to having to endure. I got to endure Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and paying bills and, you know, all the, the things of that this world has to go through until I get to that point. So then why, when we're praying for even much smaller things, do we give up in five days? It's like, Lord, you got 48 hours to answer this prayer or I quit. You know, we, we put these funny timelines on God. Like, I'm believing God that in 2021, all of these things are going to happen. Well, I'm glad you have that much influence with God. Because last time I checked, I was supposed to do his will, not a vice versa. Right? Like, Lord, what do you want me to do in 2021? And I'll trust you to take care of all the other stuff. Matthew says that in chapter 6. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Ty, not the kingdom of the Gables, right? Not the kingdom of your name, right? But seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added. See, there's a, when you get your mind right, your ability to stand fast increases. Your grit increases because you're not putting your hope in silly stuff. Like, my hope is not in my ability to pay my bills. My hope is in Jesus. We have, that's what Romans says, so we have this hope. He says, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does still one, why, why would one still expect for what he sees? But if we expect for what we do not see, we eager, eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So there is a steadfastness. So I want to encourage you, if there are things that you haven't seen yet, that you know God has said to you that God's promised, or things that are in his word that he has promised for you, then stay steadfast to it. Don't move. I have this posture like, because it's not one to fight, but it's just one of, it's like if a wave were coming and you kind of brace yourself for it, right? You're in the ocean and there's a wave coming. What you kind of have to get this posture of like, I'm not moving. I'm not moving off of it. So I know if I went around the room, there would be in every single one of your lives something where you've been waiting with expectation and hopefulness that God was going to answer something that he promised to you or that you've been praying for. And I would assume that I would find you in some sort of posture of steadfastness or you could be one who, you know what? Disappointment has caused me to back off. And today God's breathing back into you faith to no, 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 stand back up for that. Stand back up for it. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. James chapter 1, look at this with me. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, catch this. Same Greek words are being used here. Knowing that the Testing of your uh, faith produces patience. That word patience is the same word that we were using with perseverance and steadfastness. It produces patience. Interesting to me that they translated that there, not as perseverance this time, or steadfastness, or endurance. It says, no, 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 produces patience, but the same word is steadfastness see sometimes we think of patience as okay like it's more passive this patience though is he saying no 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 count it all joy when you fall into various trials sounds much like romans chapter five but count it all joy when you fall into these trials knowing that you're producing patience steadfastness something that is actually active in your life so God's wanting to activate this part of patience in our life, this I'm in full expectation that God's going to answer what he said and do what he said he was going to do, but the current trials and troubles I'm going through are getting me there. So let me, let me break it down like this. I, for whatever reason, it, maybe I'm just the only one, but my brain interprets trials and troubles as something's wrong. You ever feel like that? Like when things are coming at me in life and things get rocky, I immediately go to something's wrong. And this is why last week we talked about being unstable or being stable in unstable conditions. And we talked about Jesus who was asleep on a pillow in a boat that was filling up with water. Why? Because he was already assured we are going to the other side, period. 
He knew it. There wasn't any lack of faith in him and there was no concern or fear in him. He knew this current windstorm is gonna get us to where we need to go. He knew something the disciples didn't know. For whatever reason, I get into a storm and I think, oh no, this is the devil. I need, I, this is bad. This is, this is not good. I, I need to rebuke this or I pray it out of the way or whatever. But this says, no, 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 count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. For in that, it's producing patience in you. It's producing something, listen, you're going to need. So could it be that some of the, tr the trials you're going through, God put them there? Now, this might wacky your theology, but read it throughout the Bible. God puts trouble in, your, in, in front of you to test you. But the testing is to produce something. It's not to disturb you or disrupt you or to throw you off course. He wants you on course. He wants you to make it. But the testing is producing in you what you're going to need. Hello, are you catching this? There is trouble that God will put right in front of you to put in you what you're going to need three seasons from now. He knows the end from the beginning. If you think that the following God is smooth sailing all the way, then you're going to get so thrown off when a storm hits your boat. Ask this same writer, Paul. Paul's like, I was shipwrecked three times. But nowhere in what he said, I was beaten, all of these things, nowhere in it did he say, and I was out of the will of God, or I was missing it, or any, no, no, no. He says, no, no, that was part of the suffering. That's part of what happens when you follow Jesus. That's part of what happens when you actually step into the will of God. Sometimes you're going to get shipwrecked. But see, you have to have the right mentality because most of us would quit after the first shipwreck. Oh, no, I'm not doing this. Clearly, I am out of the will of God. If my ship wrecked, I'm, clearly, this, this is, I'm not doing the right thing. I, I need to go back to wherever I came from and just call it quits. Play it safe. Not try that again. Not go on a boat again. No, we, we, most of us would shrink back. Maybe I'm the only one, but I would maybe shrink back and be like, no, I'm not taking a boat ride again. And especially if it sank. But no, Paul went again, and then he went again. And though he would be beaten, he'd preach the gospel again. He'd get thrown in jail, and then when he, as soon as he'd get out, he'd start preaching the gospel again. Why? Because every time a trial would hit his life, he got stronger. That encourages me, right? Every time trouble hit his life, he got stronger. And listen, every time trouble hits your life, you'll get stronger. You have to interpret it through that. Otherwise, you become a victim. Otherwise, you start to back off. Otherwise, you start to question. And what's happening? That's when the enemy gets in to cause you to move off of what God said. Because that slightest bit of trouble, and sometimes we're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. We wake up in a bad mood, and we start to move off of what God said, right? No, no, no. In this, faith produces patience. And I love verse four, but let patience have its perfect work. Let patience, let that steadfastness have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, if you're underlining, I mean, that, these, these words are so powerful that James wrote. 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, if you'll let this steadfastness, this, this testing happen, there is a level of perfection and completeness that you will get to. If it weren't true, James wouldn't have wrote it and the Holy Spirit wouldn't have inspired him to put it into the Word of God. But he says, no, 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 let this patience have its perfect work. Let it have its perfect work. Some of you, you can thank your spouse because they are letting patience have its perfect work as they test you. <laughs> you can thank that brother or sister who every time they call you, you feel your patience being tested, Right? I mean, that's silly, but there is truth to that. There, are, there, there may be situations in your life that we need to just begin to recognize, oh, no, no, you're producing in me something that's making me more complete, more steadfast, more perfect, lacking nothing. Glory to God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says this. You, therefore, be encouraged by this word, by the way. You, therefore, must endure hardship. <laughs> As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I get leery of Christians who don't have hardships. I really do. And here's why. Because I wonder if they're in the fight. Because if you're a soldier and you're in the fight, you're enduring hardship. Because war is not pretty. War is not easy. War requires odd hours and requires movement and requires inconvenience and requires uh, money and requires all kinds of stuff. War is not convenient. So I get real leery of Christians who are super comfortable because it makes me wonder, are you really following Jesus? Because we move with him and he's fighting for the souls of every person on planet earth. And so Paul is telling his son, Timothy, he's all, son, Timothy, you must endure hardship. And he didn't say you might. He said you must. So I, maybe this is, I get encouraged by these things. Maybe you don't. I get encouraged because you know what? It puts in context the war sometimes that I face. And it makes me not feel crazy. It makes me, no, no, no. Paul, the greatest writer of the New Testament, even he said, you and I are going to have to have hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to make it through it. You're going to have to stand in it. You're, you're, you can't retreat. You can't retreat. And so if you're somebody and you say, you know what, I, I don't really have any hardship, then I would ask you to go to the Lord Jesus and say, am I really following you? Am I really following you? There are hard things. Listen, when we move from West Coast to East Coast, it's hard. I don't get up every Sunday morning and preach our woes because that would not be fun nor encouraging for you. But you imagine leaving all of your family and leaving all the friends that you've made over 18 years and leaving all of that and just packing up, going across the country in a pandemic. So when we first got here, nobody was saying, hey, come over to our house and bring COVID with you. No, we were all wearing masks and being like, hey, how are you? You know, I mean, we're all worried, right? We're all just like trying to figure this thing out together. But I take comfort and took comfort. And no, no, you have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Like when he calls you, it's not all peach a king. 
sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to go into the next season that God calls you to. Sometimes it's hard to stay in the season that God calls you to. But I take comfort where it's like, no, no, this is part of following Jesus is that perseverance in the middle of hardship. And I'm praying for each of you, really, that you have a steadfastness to your faith where you don't move off what God said to you. That you would be in the fight even when it's hard, even when it's rough, even when you feel attacked by people you love, you stay in the fight and you stay with it and you stay with it and you stay with it. This, there's a root word here and I just wanna tie this off because it's something that I, I caught that I just think is so powerful. But this root word in the Greek of steadfastness is minnow and that means to abide. Where you'll find steadfastness, you'll find people abiding. In other words, you cannot be steadfast without abiding in Jesus. Go to John chapter 15, if you would, with me. Same word. It's the same, same root word for steadfastness is abide. So that's why in John chapter 15, verse 5, it says Jesus was teaching, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me. Abide means does not move from being in me. So a lot of us, when we think of steadfastness, we think in our own, and maybe, again, I have to watch this because I do have a personality in the Enneagram. If you've ever done an Enneagram, it's, a, it's the number eight. If you have never done it, the Enneagram, it's just a personality test, whatever. Um, the eight, which means the challenger. So they've, these are the, your real direct kind of, you know, blunt people. And so I have to watch it because sometimes I'll let my personality go out in front of me to be, oh yeah, I'm going to stand fast and me, 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 right? But Jesus is like, no, no, no. If you really want to stand fast, abide in me. Get to the purest place of what it means to stand in me and I in you. So he who abides in me and I abide and it, literally I'm with him, I'm immovable in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples indeed. So catch this. So if and when trouble start to hit you. If you want to be steadfast, you have to be in him. You have to abide in him. That same word, again, abide and steadfast have the same root word. It's the same. See, many of us, we try to be steadfast on our own, on our own, on our own. And Jesus is giving us the key and he's like, no, 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 no. The place of safety for you is in me. And he says, if you get in me, I'll get in you. That same commitment, he's saying, if you'll make that commitment to me, I make that commitment to you. And then you will be immovable. Listen to that. And then when you are with him, for with me, for without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do, you bear much fruit. That's verse five. This abiding, this staying firm, Planting yourself with God will produce much fruit. 
So yes, you're going through trials. Yes, you're going through troubles. Yes, there is a a hope that's being produced. But Jesus says, you stay in that place and you'll also bear much fruit. You'll produce much fruit, much fruit. So at the end of the day, where you and I have to be is abiding in him. We have to place ourselves. It's, that, it's a choice. It's not casual. It's not gonna happen by chance. You have to choose, no, 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 I'm gonna abide in you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna place myself with him. You say, well, how do I do that? Verse says, and says it, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So he's linking, he's saying, if you abide in me, and then he's saying, my words will abide in you. That's the exchange. You get up with Jesus and he puts his word, his logos, which is this written word and his rhema word. What is he saying to you today? Those two things. He'll get those things inside of you and then you will bear much fruit. So it's how do you make it through turbulent times? How do you make it through troubles? You abide right here. That steadfastness, that, that patience, that endurance, all of those things come from abiding in him. You won't be able to produce it on your own. I want to try to convince us of that. You cannot produce this kind of steadfastness by yourself. You're not smart enough. You're not gritty enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have the intellect that you need for this. You don't have the skills that you need to stand fast like this. No, no, you're going to have to go to him for this. That, this is true in our marriages. This is true in our families. This is true in our ministries. This is true in this church. This is just true in your life. You don't have what it takes to stand fast. You need to abide in him. Humility, in fact, in this moment, humility would acknowledge that and say, yes, I have to abide in him. I can't do it by myself. I'm not strong enough. And by the way, this abiding is current tense. Abiding right now. Not, well, I grew up in church. No, 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 no. You, you can't. That's not going to do it for today. That won't do it for tomorrow. You have to be abiding with him today. This is not religious or tradition or, oh, yeah, I signed up to be a part of that church, and so that's going to do it. Nope. Not for the troubles we face today. Y'all turned on the news lately? Troubles are everywhere. You shown up to work lately? Troubles at work are everywhere. You, you're not going to be able to make it today by what you did three years ago. Like, oh, I took that discipleship class five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and that's still lasting me today. No, it's not. You're just deceived. You think it is, but it's not. You need to abide in him today. When you get home today, just open up the word and abide and read it. Just go to John chapter 1 or choose Romans. I've been reading a lot into Romans. And let him teach you. What are you doing? You're abiding in him. And his words, Jesus' words are abiding in you. And then he says, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. I'll close with this. In Mark chapter 4. 
When Jesus is talking, he was giving the parable of the sower and the sowing the word of God, and he gives these different examples of soil that the word of God was going into as seed. This is the one where in verse 16, I'll give you a couple of the, the different metaphors that he gave, but these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, Mark 4, 16. When they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, so they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. See, that's the abiding. Hear the word, accept it, like soil accepts a seed. Accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Jesus says, this is how you bear fruit. This is how you make it. This is how tribulation Though it comes at you, it produces something in you that steadfastness. It, it, if you let it, it'll till up the soil of your heart so that when you hear the word of God, you accept it. You do it. You do what it says. You hear it and you do it. And then it puts that seed down in your heart and now you're good soil. And when you're good soil, fruit happens 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Again, that's that soil of the heart. We put things out. We put all the, the rocks and the stones and things that would try to choke out the word. We put it all out. And let us run, the, run with endurance, steadfastness, that same word. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author of and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us, or set before him, he endured. He was steadfast on the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. The reason why I read this scripture is because there is an example that Jesus gave us. The way that he was able to endure such pain and humiliation and shame was because he set his eyes on you and I. For the joy that was set before him, which was us. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, this is how you're going to endure. Set your eyes right, on, right back at Jesus. Set your eyes. It's that abiding. It's not just distant, cold relationship with Jesus. He's saying, no, no, look straight at him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He's saying, no, no, look straight at him. Some of you, maybe you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, but that's the abiding that he's talking about, where you get in his word and he speaks to you and you speak to him and you have conversation with him. I was at a, um, some planning meetings this week and we were at, uh, we spent a whole day where we spent, where we turned off our cell phones from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And uh, one of, a, a four-square pastor, Harriet Maurer, you guys know her, and she basically taught us about silence and solitude and how to live in those things. And it was so powerful. 
But I just remember in the time that we had of silence, so she sent us all to different places, and we just, we couldn't talk, no cell phone, just silent, nothing. Can you imagine? For over an hour and a half or so, we were silent, nothing. We had a piece of paper and pen so we could write down. And I just remember, for me, the Lord said, you know, you can talk to me like you talk to your friends. You know how sometimes you'll call up a friend that you hadn't talked to in a while and you'll just talk to them for about everything. Just kind of catch them up. And you'll talk for an hour, hour plus of here's what's going on with this, here's what's going on with that, here's what's going on with this, and then vice versa, they'll tell you what's going on. And I just felt like the Lord said, you know, you can talk to me like you talk to them. So that was my hour and a half. We talked. Abiding. And it might sound crazy, it might sound silly, but when trouble hits, it won't seem so crazy anymore. Why? Because I'm not moving. Because I've been abiding. I've been steadfast. I've been working this in me so that you're not going to move me off of God's will. Not going to move me off his call. That's what God's calling us to. That steadfastness by abiding in him where you're not thrown off by your crazy boss. You're not thrown off by work conditions. You're not thrown off by what seems like miles and miles and miles from you and where you're calling what God has said to you or maybe family stuff. You're not thrown off. Why? Because you've been spending time with Jesus and he's been working in you through those troubles and trials, endurance and perseverance. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With your eyes closed, I just want you to call to mind. Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's three things. Where are the areas that you know God's speaking to you about this perseverance? Maybe it's an area where you have felt like you've wavered a bit, where you, maybe you've been moved a bit. Maybe it was troubles, people discouragement, but you moved. But as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's talking to you and calling you back to that steadfastness, that immovable, to believe Him again, to see that those troubles are producing in you perseverance, and that perseverance is producing character, and that character is producing hope in you. So as you think of those things, why don't you just write them down? Put them in your phone. You can write it on a piece of paper. As they come to mind, just write it down. And as you write it down, you might just write a commitment and say, Lord, I'm coming back to steadfastness in this area. Go ahead, I'll wait while we just take a minute to write a couple things down. I'm going to write one down myself.
Yeah, I wrote two down. Maybe you have two or three or more. And as you write those down, I'll just say these words of Jesus again. If anyone abides in me and my words abide in them, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word. Jesus, we say to you that we want to abide in you. We want to be fixed in you, immovable in you. Father, I pray that you would wash out all disappointment that's caused us to hesitate. Caused us to back off of what it is that you've called us to or spoken to us. This hope does not disappoint thank you for this hope, Lord. Thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, why don't we stand to our feet this morning?